0: Welcome to the Iconic Womanhood Podcast, where we celebrate and learn from the wisdom of authentic, brilliant, conscious, and creative women from all around the world. This podcast will leave you inspired, empowered, and equipped to become truly iconic. And now, here is your host, Akenna. She is a transformational coach and speaker. Hello, everyone. Uh... Welcome to another episode of the Iconic Womanhood Podcast. I'm Ekaner, and today I'm going to be talking about something that was mentioned in the last interview. So last week, we had the opportunity to hear from Siza Keller, also known as Za, who was speaking to us from Johannesburg, South Africa, and she shared so authentically and transparently about her journey. To success and some of the things that she had learned along the way in the areas of feminine leadership. So I wanted to highlight a few things. In fact, the next couple of podcasts, I will talk about two things that she mentioned. This particular episode, I'm going to be talking about the idea of getting rid of this moniker, the strong black woman. And next week, I'll talk a little bit more about some of the things that she talked about when she mentioned how you are your success and the idea of when you're bringing your leader, your boss self home to your relationship, really around femininity, feminine leadership, feminine energy. I'm going to be talking about that next week. But this week, I'd like to talk about this idea of getting rid of the moniker strong black woman. Because when she mentioned it on the interview. And if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It was really, really great. It's one of the reasons why interviews are part of this podcast series, because I I believe in a matrix of wisdom and I really wanted to draw from women across the world. So listen, make sure you get it. Every month we're going to have a new interview and we have some pretty amazing ones coming through uh, the pipeline. I get to hear them first, of course, so I can guarantee you they're pretty awesome. So go listen to it if you haven't listened to it. But Here's what we're going to be talking about today. I want to talk about why I agreed with her that we need to get rid of this idea of the strong black woman and then give you tools for authentic resilience, so the idea of the strong black woman, of course it comes up because so many of us have to be strong. So many women of color across the diaspora find themselves in tough situations and they have no other choice but to pull themselves up and just make things happen regardless. We are out there spinning gold out of straw. We are, you know, creating a whole uh, four-course meals out of just a few grains of rice. We are building multi million dollar companies out of, you know, 500 bucks. It happens. We're, we're doing these things. So I want you to give yourself a pat on the back, okay, because you are doing great things. However, this idea of the strong black woman has cost us. So yes, we're strong, but the idea of it, is the thing that we need to let go of. And let me tell you why I think that we should let go of it. It's shown that for women of color, our pain is minimized, both our physical pain and our emotional pain. So our physical pain, for example, we know this, just in case you don't, right, in the healthcare system, certainly here in the U.S., But also in Nigeria, where I grew up, and I've actually heard the same thing mirrored in different parts of the diaspora, our pain, our physical pain is minimized. Very often when women of color report being uncomfortable, being in pain, it's ignored. It's not addressed at the same rate. It's not considered as emergent as other groups because for whatever reason, it's back there, this idea that, you know, strong black women, they can handle it. We Our threshold for pain is supposedly higher, and so they ignore it. And it costs women their lives often. There was um, last year, I remember watching a, a television show that was inspired by a true story of a woman who gave birth and her pain was ignored and ignored because she had complications after her birth and she kept complaining and they kept ignoring it and finally she died. She lost her life. And so women of color are dying. I mean, and this is true that we are more, women of color are more likely to lose their lives than Caucasian women, certainly in this system. And then when you go to other countries, you see like things like the maternal uh, mortality rate is just extraordinarily high. Again, our pain is minimized. We are, this idea of, you know, you're strong, you can manage, it's very damaging on the physical, where it's ignored on the physical emotionally as well. I mean, I think we don't necessarily have measurements where we're talking about our pain. And a lot of times, emotional pain looks different. Sometimes it shows up in physical disease. Sometimes we're walking around. I think so many women have walking depression. And we are just masking and managing across of the board. Our emotional pain is ignored. I actually remember a story that this happened when I was probably a sophomore in college, and I went to college in Boston, and one of the things I loved about the college experience I had in Boston was that the African students, we had a rich community, so the students from all the different colleges, and you know Boston is a college town, so whether you were at Northeastern or at MIT or Harvard, wherever, Chances are, if you are an international student, an African student, you knew, we knew you. We all knew each other on some level. Maybe not as well, but we, we you know, we had many gatherings where we got together. And I remember at one of these gatherings, there was uh, a young man, also probably maybe a junior, so I don't remember, but he was West African, perhaps even Nigerian. I just don't remember his name to tell you, but I will forever remember what he said we were having a conversation, there were about 15 people in the room, and I can't remember how we got to this particular statement, but he made a statement, he said, I don't know why American women make such a big deal about rape. African women get raped every day, and they get on with their lives, and they they just get on with it. Why do they make such a big deal about it? This was how many years ago, and I will never forget it. I was shocked. In fact, the woman in the room, I remember we kind of, you know, how you all look at each other like, uh, you know, like, what, what, what is going on? In that moment, I understood the meaning of the word aghast. I was aghast. I was flabbergasted and overwhelmed. I was gobsmacked, all of the above, that someone could have this idea that something as Traumatic as rape, as damaging as rape, was something that we just got over. Now, I've shared this story uh, certainly on social media before, but when I was 11, 12, we had, I lived in Nigeria at the time, we had robbers. I guess what would be called in the, here in the US a home invasion. My parents weren't home and they came into our home and they they tried to they were they stole things, you know, and one of them dragged me up to my bedroom and his intent was to rape me. By the grace of God and it was very till today I was 12. I mean I'm I'm over I'm 30 plus years from that time. I still remember it. I survived the attack. It didn't happen, you know, it was an attempted rape, but I still have scars from that. I still remember pieces of it like it was yesterday. And here is this man, this, this boy man, saying such nonsense. Again, that is the danger of this idea of the strong black woman. It allows people to treat us callously as well, whether we know it or not. Because he here's this man who, for him to say that now I would say, excuse me, sir, may I have your name? Let me add you to the register of who I shall never engage with and make sure my children never engage with you, or perhaps anyone from your line. Because if you're passing along that sort of attitude, for you to say that, it means to me you're justifying it in your way, in, in your own mind. You've made it a little bit more acceptable. It's not such a big deal. Chances are that person saying that perhaps has engaged in, you know, certain. Certainly, it's part of a rape culture. So it allows people to treat us callously. There are some things that people do. You know, you hear men and they, they're talking, and they do these things to women, women they're in relationship with, women, and these are things they wouldn't do to their daughters, they wouldn't do to their sisters, they wouldn't want anyone to do it to them because they have humanized those people, but this general strong black woman, you know, the workhorse of the world, we can harm her and she'll be all right. So they're okay, she's okay, it's not really that big a deal when it's a huge deal and it's damaging us the very idea that something like that, we just get on with it. Now, of course, it looks that way, right? Because so many of us in our cultures, we don't have the support system to do other things. We're not allowed to break down. Here in in the US, in African-American culture, so many women are the matriarchs of their home. They're single mothers, even if they're not, Single mothers, sometimes there, there's the whole group. This is also very common in the immigrant community here in the U.S. where you're married but single. You're doing a lot more than your fair share. So there's so much riding on you. You're out there. You're taking care of your own You know, nuclear family, but your extended family is really leaning on you. You might be a first, like the first in your family to go to college, first in your family to make six figures, first in your family. So there's just a lot riding on you. When there is so much weight on you, you get the message that you can't afford to break down. You can't afford to stop. You can't afford it. And we're not given the same leeway. We really aren't. Uh, a person from another group can say, you know, uh, have anxiety or have a breakdown and then they be allowed back as, oh, they just had a tough time. But for us, often we're marked damaged. And because of that, we don't really allow ourselves to be vulnerable. So we do take on that strong black woman, kind of super woman role because we often don't seem to have a choice but it really costs us. It really does cost us. So these ideas that, oh, you know, this is who we are, I 100% agreed with Zah that it's time to phase it out. And one of the things she had said was she would rather see the word courageous. And I agree, we are courageous. As as you're listening to this, I'm almost certain that quite a few of you listening have stories of trauma in your past, some of you even in your present. And, you know, if no one ever tells you this, I want to be the one to tell you. You should know that we see you being courageous and we honor your courage. You should know that you are so important to the world. Everything that you've been through, everything that you're going through, you're amazing. You really are amazing. As I'm talking about this now, I'm just thinking about all the women who have just dealt with so much and they just keep moving forward. It doesn't mean that you should be forced to do that. And this is what we want to talk about. like We need to shift the way the culture looks at us so that we can rest when we need to rest, so that we can get the support we need, so that we can be able to ask for help. We need to shift our culture, but in the meantime, while we're doing that, I just want to applaud you, tell you, I see you, you're amazing, you're doing the best you can, and I honor that, and you should honor that in yourself as well. You should really give yourself a nice big hug and say, you know what, I'm here, and thank God for that. That being said, though, Let's t- let's all band together and say enough with this idea of a strong black woman. Yes, I'm strong, but I need help at times. I'm courageous, but I need help at times. One of the things I had said about this idea of the strong black woman needing to go was that she had found that it was just a way for people to not take emotional responsibility for us. And isn't that the truth? I have heard this so many times. I'm someone that people say a lot. I hear that a lot. Oh, you're so strong. I hear that a lot. And I'll tell you what I am is resilient. I don't know that I'm necessarily strong, but I am resilient. And I have learned how to recover. And in the second part of this podcast, I'm going to give you some tools for authentic resilience. One of... um My favorite things that someone has said about me, my brother-in-law told me this. So my brother-in-law is a man of faith. He and my sister are just such a blessing in my life. Uh, You know, their home is one of my safe spaces. So very often, and especially because we share the faith, I feel very free to be vulnerable about the things that I'm struggling with. And I'm some, someone that, you know, my, my girls, they know it, my, my daughters, they know I'm quick to cry if I need to cry. I'm a crier. I'll release the, the emotion quick. I don't have a problem like this is what I'm dealing with. And um, so I, I don't have a problem being vulnerable. And one day he said to me, my brother-in-law, he said, you know, can I just have to tell you something I really admire about you? And I was, you know, I'm like, you admire something, let me know, I want to hear it, let me come, bring it on, bring it on, right? So he says to me, I really admire the way that you are able to encourage yourself, because I've seen you deal with hard things, get really sad, and then I watch you encourage yourself in the Lord. I watch you just speak life into yourself and gather yourself in and get back to yourself. I really admire the way you do that. And I thought it was really an astute observation because sometimes people think that I'm always positive, I'm always in a you know great place. And I think... Some people think that maybe it's false, like maybe you're just putting it on for the show or putting it on for the gram or the brand, but it's not. For me, I have days that are hard. I have, actually, let me rephrase that. I don't necessarily have days anymore. I may have hard moments in the days, and then I have pockets, right? But I have learned how to have this authentic resilience. And I'm going to take you through the steps in a bit and really gather myself and return to myself and and release all of it. There's something that was said, I think it's a Buddhist saying, but it's such a truth uh, that pain is caused by our experiences, can be caused by experiences, but suffering, suffering is caused by our thoughts about those experiences. So pain happens because of things that happen in life, but suffering is optional. And so what I have learned is how not to suffer. I may feel pain, but I don't suffer anymore. So I want to take you through some of those things. But before I do that, I just still want to talk about this idea of the strong black woman and why it's so important that we move on from this way of thinking. So I've already talked about the fact that our pain is minimized. The other thing is that we learn to mask. So many of us mask so well. We Because we have this idea of a strong buck woman, because we feel like we have to be that, we stop addressing our pain. We don't do what we need to do to move from pain. We just kind of stuff it. We either suppress it or we repress it or we express it and I'll tell you what those mean in a second and we or we try to escape it. So of course you know what escaping it looks like, right? So you're you know watching watching too much TV, you're drinking too much, partying too much, spending too much, you're doing all these things to kind of distract you from your pain. Sometimes you're just doing too much straight up like your to-do list is ridiculous because the more you put on there, the more busy you are, then you can outrun your pain in some way. So you're driving yourself in to the ground just so you don't feel the pain. The other thing is maybe you're expressing. So this expressing, you're not really giving full expression to the pain, but you're just, it's like a pressure cooker. So a little like, you know how, when you if you have those old school pressure cookers, right? I don't even use those anymore, but you you remember those ones that you have to put the little top on top, and if you touch it, a little of the steam would just, and the really old ones would maybe even make a, a squealing sound. Sometimes that's what we're doing when we're expressing. So it's all building up inside of us. And then maybe someone looks at you the wrong way, some stranger on the bus or someone in the grocery store or, or maybe someone who's not a stranger. Maybe it's your, your, your man or your child or your coworker, and they say just one thing right they just get on you and you know how we say I love some of our colloquialisms um girl I got I have one nerve I got one nerve left <laughs> and you're working it, and literally that's the truth, because you have stuffed and suppressed and pushed this pain down so much, you're like a pressure cooker, and all you do have is that one nerve, and they work that one nerve, and they get, Wah! right, and so it's disproportionate, your reaction is disproportionate to whatever happened, because you're not dealing with the actual thing that's happening, you are expressing a little bit of the pain that you have kept bound inside of you, and sometimes the pain gets deeply repressed, so deeply repressed you don't even remember what happened anymore. It's, it's a back in your, in your buried in your subconscious, but it affects your decision making, it affects the way you show up, it affects all the things about you because your subconscious dictates so much in your life. And because it's buried in there, it's no longer in your conscious mind, right? You can't think, you don't remember it even perhaps, but it's in there and it's causing you harm because you haven't dealt with it. It's like a tumor just because you don't know it's there. And then, you know, it's metastasizing all over your body. I want you to think about that. This is why this is so critical to address it and get rid of this idea of, oh, I'm a strong black woman. No, face, you're human, you're a woman, you're a person, and when you get hurt, You bleed, you hurt, you cry, and it's okay for that to be true. You can be someone who gets hurt and be a powerhouse at the same time. It doesn't make you weak to be someone who gets hurt when hurtful things are done to you. It doesn't make you weak. So you have to give yourself permission to feel the pain. And not just permission to feel the pain, permission to take the time or to do what is necessary to heal. Because sometimes we feel the pain, but we suppress it because, girl, ain't nobody got time for that? I don't have time for that. I, you know, I got to keep it moving. We have this idea that we cannot afford to stop. And here's what I tell some of my clients sometimes. If you don't stop it will stop you eventually and it may stop you at, at a critical time. It's like you keep hearing that thing in your car, that rattling sound or something that's saying something's not quite right and you just keep ignoring it. You turn the t- you know if you are you like this, are you one of the ladies that's like this where you turn the um you turn your radio up higher above the sound and you just ignore it and then one day the car stops and that's the end of it and maybe it's the transmission or something major. It doesn't make sense to do that because what can happen with that is it can come out in disease. It also comes out in woundedness. I'm going to do a whole other podcast on this idea of the wounded feminine and wounded masculine because it really damages us. And stops us from having our best life For some of us, the woundedness that we feel If it's not coming out in disease, right? It's coming out in dis-ease in our lives And so we have this woundedness that is costing us relationships Costing us jobs and and contracts and businesses and, And costing us abundance And this woundedness doesn't just impact women It impacts men as well, by the way A lot of men are difficult to deal with Because they're so wounded Wounded and they don't deal with it. A lot of men are doing this escapism too. I had a conversation about this. This is a deeper convo, convo right? I've talked about this on, on panels that I've been on, talking about the wounded man especially in, Af- in uh, cultures of color, because for them, it's even worse, actually. So we have this strong black woman moniker, but I think even our men, they don't. we don't have a moniker for that, but they are really looked at as weak if they show any vulnerability. And so they struggle with trying to align their idea of masculinity with their humanity. So they really do pack up their their woundedness and and put on a big old mask and keep moving. And a lot of them are, are trying to escape in I was um in Nigeria, I go to Nigeria a fair, a fair bit and and have the opportunity to do different talks and chats and things like that when I'm there. And I remember having a conversation with just a really authentic conversation with a group and talking about this and one of the things we're talking about is the level of promiscuity that, you know, and it happens here too, but I, I mean in Nigeria it is I don't know, it seems to me to be at a whole nother level now and it has become not only normalized but part of the culture that men are expected to just be ridiculously promiscuous, even when they're married. And We don't talk about it as a dysfunction. We have made it normal, but it is a dysfunction. Because if you see a man and he is eating everything in sight, even to his detriment, you're going to say something is wrong. If you see him drinking constantly, even to his detriment, you're going to say something is wrong. But when you see him chasing women up and down to the point that he can't even help himself, you know there's something wrong there. I was jogging one day on the street. This was in Abuja, and I was jogging. And this man, and he looked at the, he had a wedding ring on, I believe. I had a wedding ring on. And I was jogging and he stopped and he said, can I talk to you? And I was like, listen, excuse me. (laughs) Like, dude, I'm not your type. Carry on and keep going, right? So I just basically put him off. Do you know he backed his car up? He kept backing his car up and kept trying to talk to me while traffic is coming the opposite way. I was like, this dude is crazy, because if somebody hits your car now right what what are you going to say then for what now I will I will say yes I can be a, a an attractive specimen but come on now please what are you talking about like it has gotten to the point that you can't control yourself that you're going to be backing your car up for what what is it you hope to get that's when you you know you, you've stepped into a realm that you're no longer your best self you're 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 just totally ruled by your physicality, totally ruled, like she's an attractive woman, so I must connect to her at all costs, I mean, come on, there's something wrong there, there's a dysfunction there, I always say whenever we're doing something that is, and I, and I can tell you that for me, my thing is not um, men or, or promiscuity, my, my weakness is bread, <laughs> So if I'm eat, if i eating too much bread, I know that I'm not eating it for the love of the bread. I am eating it because I'm trying to escape some pain. So there are reasons why we need to let go of this and begin to address it. It is critical. You can't live your best life if you keep hiding under the moniker of this strong person. Instead... As Zah has suggested, let us call ourselves courageous. And part of being courageous is being willing, being willing to look at ourselves, understand ourselves, and create authentic resilience. And so I'm going to stop this here. This is part one, and then I'll do part two. In part two, I will talk about what it means to have authentic resilience and how to create that. So, as we close, shall we let go of being strong black women and say instead, I am courageous. I am resilient. I recognize that things happen. But when those things happen, if they are painful, I will accept, acknowledge, and understand the pain. But I will no longer choose the path Of suppression and suffering, I will learn to let go and develop authentic resilience. Amen. So, this week, what I covered was why we need to say goodbye to the strong black woman. Like I said in the second part of this podcast, which will air next week, I'm going to give you some tips and tools for authentic resilience. So that you can be the courageous woman, the courageous and resilient and beautiful woman that you were born to be. So make sure that if you haven't subscribed, if you haven't shared this, if you haven't saved the date, it comes out on Wednesdays. Do all of the above and tune in next Wednesday and we're going to talk about authentic resilience so that we can let go of this moniker and claim our true moniker as iconic courageous, beautiful woman. God bless you. Talk to you soon.